Mofax with Adam Curry for September 16th, 2019, episode number seven. Two American dudes talking it up. <laughs> hey, Mo, how are you? I'm doing good. How you doing, Adam? I'm doing real good. You know, it's Monday once again. Uh, that means Mo facts around uh, these parts of Austin. Yes. And, um, and as you know, the song goes, more money, more problems. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Although, I, you know, being an old guy, it's like, I, all, I just keep hearing Diana Ross. I don't hear anything else. You know, <laughs> I saw her in the round when I was 15. That's that's pretty amazing, and that's what this show is all about. It's perspective. Uh, you can hear the same thing and see it two different ways. Because when I hear that, I hear the notorious Big more money, more problems. Exactly. So, <laughs> so speaking of which, more money, more problems. We uh, spoke in the last show about uh, families and people not in, not wanting to have families or the difficulties of having families in these times. Right. So as that show ended. Uh, beginning of the maybe Tuesday, Wednesday, I got an interesting email from a friend, mm-hmm. and it, the title of the uh, article was "This Budget Shows How Three Hundred Fifty Thousand Dollars Salary um, Barely Qualifies as Middle Class." Yes, <laughs> I actually saw that a few <laughs> days ago, and I thought to myself, oh, "No wonder I'm struggling." But this is if and if, it, if, if you want to live in a city or just in general. I think in there it was like cities such as New York City, um, right. Yeah, yeah, right. San Francisco, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the major hubs. But um, I think this speaks to last show. While families, this this um, article spoke about a family of four, two working parents making you know a combined salary of three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right. They at the end, if if you lived. Up to and it, this goes to the thing that we talked about, you know, having the house and the cars and the yeah, picket yeah. fence and the trip exactly. to uh, Disneyland. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's what we all want, right? If you live that today, at the end of the month, I believe you will have a hundred and twenty-one dollars cash oh. flow. Oh man, my vape budget is more than that. <laughs> After you pay for everything, <laughs> so. Now, who, put, I, who, I who, this, who did this? Who put this study together? Who was the genius? This, uh, it was published on CNBC, and the numbers are according to the U.S. Census Bureau. And this was on, um, let's see, the website was... Well, this is, I, yeah, you sent me a link from MSN, but I think the, maybe the yeah, original... Excuse me. Yeah. Yes. So it was written by Sean Lang- Langlos. Langlois, 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 something like that. Yeah, Langlois might be French. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, as we see, more money, more problems, and that kind of explains, puts a button on what we talked about last show. So, but as we see moving forward into this show, we're going to talk about how money can, more money can cause more problems. So, <laughs> how's that great uh, Twitter feed line going for you? I want to <laughs> test it out. <laughs> Uh, to be very honest, I was in, uh, we were away this weekend. Uh, we were in Las Vegas, went to see Bruno Mars. Uh, so, uh, I really haven't been looking too much at the great Twitter, but I'm keeping up, Mo. You know me, I'm keeping up. Okay. So, uh, for those out there that don't have the, you know, the privilege of having a great, <laughs> great or black Twitter line, uh, timeline, there was a beef. Uh, Black Lives Matter beef, to be more specific, 
between one Sean King ah, and yes. one D. Ray McKesson. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, Very long medium article that was written about this. Yes, there was um, a long medium, uh, medium article written by D. Ray McKesson. Uh, and just as of this morning, there was a quote unquote, I hate this word, clap back <laughs> by, uh, <laughs> yeah. by Sean King with an even longer uh, medium article. And we're going to get into that. But let's start off with the backgrounder. Greetings and salutations. I'm Christopher Platt reporting for Your Black World News with an article from News One. Sean King and D. Ray McKesson once worked closely together, but had an epic falling out that played out on Twitter years ago. Like most social media feuds, it was hard to tell who was right or wrong, but people still took sides. Since then, they've rarely mentioned each other until now. McKesson wrote a scathing and long piece on King. In a piece for Medium, McKesson goes on and on about how he trusted King, believed in his work, but then noticed dismissiveness and bad communication. He then implies King stole money from Justice Together, where McKesson was a board member at one point, and said, To date, it's not clear that Sean filed the appropriate taxes for Justice Together, as there's no 990 form available for public review from the IRS website. He also slammed Sean King's fundraising report, claiming it was not independent. McKesson also alleged that King did not raise millions and that he took credit for other people's work. He takes credit for 100 percent of all funds raised for any fundraiser whose link he has ever posted online in an email blast or retweeted. McKesson also referenced the Clarissa Brooks incident where King demanded an apology after she reportedly said that he stole or spent money that was raised for Centoya Brown, which King claimed he never raised money for. McKesson cites a bunch of failed projects from King. Basically, McKesson believes King is a fraud. <laughs> you know, you could put this on shortwave radio and it would sound really cool. <laughs> so, so this is our um this was a uh from the YouTube uh news news one. And if you're asking who News One is, that is uh, sponsored by Radio One, uh, which is founded by Miss Kathy Hughes. And that's going to be important later. Uh, but um, let's get in. Uh, so, so just a little background. These two came up through the Black Lives Matter Ferguson uh, event with the shooting of um, Michael Brown. Mm -hmm. And that's how they became into public light. So from there, uh, D-Ray has felt like he's been pushed to the side uh, while Sean King has, you know, become a, 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 like a, you know, a shooting star. I mean, he's he's like the the creme de la creme of uh, wokeism. Was he was he one of the people who met with with Hillary Clinton during the 2016 election? They had that kind of backstage meeting, if you recall. Which which one? D-Ray McKesson or um, Sean King? I'm not sure. I know D-Ray was there, but I'm not sure. Okay. All right. And for people for people to know. Sean, I mean, D-Ray was the bigger star starting out. Uh, the blue vest, uh, he, you know, he was a really huge star. But let's go on to that second clip. King's been defending his name for weeks after Rihanna announced she would honor the Morehouse man at an upcoming award ceremony. Social media went ham and demanded that she reconsider. In response, King released a 72-page report of, quote, every single penny I've ever raised, end quote, 
since Black Lives Matter began. The documents were compiled and authored in part by people like Tamika Mallory, co-chair of the Women's March and co-founder of Justice League NYC and civil rights attorney Lee Merritt. The report focused on fundraisers that King promoted through his social media accounts and provided what King said was a full accounting of his financial relationship with Real Justice Pack and Action Pack, along with five years of his tax returns. Now, hold on a second. <clears throat> you know, for every type of entity, if it's a pack, if it's a nonprofit, there's forms you got to fill out for taxes that I think have to be published publicly unless there's some other entity that was in play here. That that is correct, uh, and like you said, he let he put out a seventy-two page report, mm-hmm. um, stating how the how the money was spent, and um, you even heard him brought up the uh, justice pack, the yeah. real justice pack. Uh, so I did a little homework. Uh, whenever I hear pack, I hear money. <laughs> I start following the, the paper trail. <laughs> yeah. um, so the real justice pack is funded by Carrie Tuna. And Justice Mos Moskovitz. No, it's uh M O S V O Moskovitz. Yes. Are you familiar with him? No. In fact, this Justice. this is the most names I've ever heard in this show who I have no clue about. <laughs> so Dustin Mos uh, I can't say it. Moskovitz is uh one of the founders of Facebook. Oh. And they put almost two million dollars into this real justice pack. So Sean King is backed by Facebook money, gotcha. um, to the tune of our uh, two million dollars. And I found it funny that the money is registered under Carrie Tuna, not under their. They have a um, nonprofit that they could have put the money under, but it was like an individual donor type thing. So I thought that was funny how they kind of like tried, in my honest opinion, amass the money. You know, because when you see Carrie Tuna, that doesn't ring a bell. But when I, you know, started digging who she was, I found out who she's married to and then the connection with Facebook. So, okay. Yeah, it's, so I'm, I'm just, uh, it is Dustin, Dustin Moskovitz, indeed. Moskovitz. Uh, yeah, yes. that's it. That's the guy. Okay. Got it. So. That just struck me as weird. I mean, you guys have a nonprofit. They took the pack with um with um Bill Gates and Warren Buffett to spend all their money, donate all their money in their lifetime. Yeah, this is so the, uh, the the giving pledge that you will give away. Right. At least I think it's half of your fortune in your lifetime, but the idea is to spend all of it. Right. Uh but as you hear in this piece from the News One, which is a product of Radio One. They're very uh, friendly and protective of Sean King. They really didn't get into the article of the accusation D. Ray McKesson made. It was more to the defense of Sean King. And that's going to be very important to remember this foul that away. Uh, why? We'll see later on in, you know, in, in my presentation. But let's go to uh, clip three. In addition... King said the authors of the fundraising report had unlimited access to his and his family's checking accounts, savings accounts, credit cards, retirement accounts, and money management software. I've helped raise over $34.5 million for families, charities, causes, and campaigns, King tweeted Tuesday morning. A seven-person expert review board inspected every penny, including the past five years of my tax returns. Their 72-page report. In addition, the families of Nia Wilson, Philando Castile, 
Terrence Crutcher and multiple other people killed in recent years vouched for King. The family of Botham Jean, the man who was killed by Dallas police officer Amber Geiger a year ago this Friday, had nothing but glowing words for King. We have had the pleasure of interacting with Sean King in the months following Botham's murder, Jean's family wrote. Sean has become more than another voice for our family. He's become our friend. He's advocated for the Jean family, spoke up for us, dried our tears, and held our hands. We're grateful for his support, as are many other families who have met him. Well, what this tells me is don't mess with this guy because the dead are speaking on his behalf. <laughs> also, um, if you notice, it's one of those things with Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson. Mm-hmm. You call Sean King. He gets the money. Uh, and we're going to see, uh, I think later in, on the presentation, we're going to see he raised over like maybe $30 million. Wow. Uh, on, on the behalf of families and organizations. But before we move forward, you know, we always, uh, as I always like to do, we have to go backwards before we can go forward. So, Adam, I'm going to test your memory a little bit. <laughs> why, <laughs> why was, what was the purpose of Black Lives Matter? Who was it, who was it set aside to protect? In your opinion, in my opinion, Black Lives Matter was uh, set up particularly to bring attention to uh, police brutality against black people. Specifically black males, correct? Because that's who the the majority of the victims were. Uh, Yes. Yeah. I I would not have specified it as such, but yeah. Yes, sure. And this has been the argument just to, I mean, from my perspective, I I didn't want to, you know, uh, put words into your mouth. But the perspective when I first saw Black Lives Matter trending on um, on social media, it was kind of like they were using the plight of the black male being gunned down by police with your hands up, um, you know, to you know to bring attention to that. Mm-hmm. But let's listen. Uh, I found a, a, a great interview with the three um, three creators of Black Lives Matter, uh, Alicia Gar- um, Garza, Patrice uh, Colors, and Opal Tomei. Yeah, I, the, uh, the, and it, the name Patrice I recognize. I recognize, I think, from a connection to Soros or something. Right, <laughs> right. Um, you're always getting ahead there. Uh. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so, hey, I, I knew it's, something. It's becoming, <laughs> this is becoming a common thing with you, uh, but yeah. <laughs> Um, we had, they had a great sit down with, uh, Ted talks, uh, which is a, you know, platform to get all that, you know, woke agenda out there. Uh, and let's listen to, um, the reason why they started black lives matter. Why is black lives matter important for the U S right now and in the world? Black lives matter is our call to action. It is a tool to reimagine a world where black people are free to exist, free to live. Uh, It is a tool for our allies to show up differently for us. Whoa, that's not what I understood the movement to be. And I thank God for him because I didn't know I wasn't free to uh, live or exist, but God bless him. (laughs) (laughs) Feel free, feel free. Right. uh, So uh, let's get into clip. 
two of Miss Patrice uh, Colliers. Black Lives Matter offers uh, answers to the why. Uh, it offers uh, a new vision for young black girls around the world that we deserve to be fought for, wow. uh, that we deserve to uh, call on local governments to show up for us. Wow, this is not at all what, what uh, the message was. I thought it was hands up, don't shoot. Black young, black yeah. men, yes. black men of color are being shot down in the street like animals, but obviously not. Hmm. Uh, and you know what? I could not foresee this coming. I am being ultra facetious, but but <laughs> well, but, hold on. Let me ask. Let me ask you a question. Um, was now this that uh, you said that things from a TED talk? Was that at the founding, or was it later? I mean, was that the original concept? I mean, I just want to get the timeline. Maybe that changed. This is this is this is, this is afterwards. This is uh, a couple years after you know they got off the ground mm-hmm. because, as you've heard. Uh, Black Lives Matter started out as a hashtag and then it became a um, organization and then, you know, it became a vehicle for what it always these liberal um, super woke. I hate using that word repeatedly, but these movements happen. It's like. Black people causes is the stepping stone to get into bigger fundraising and taking bigger issues on. Mm-hmm. So uh, so if you really want to get in, you know, you start with the black people or you start with the black causes and then you're going to hear uh, Miss Opal Tomei pivot to other causes. We need this because the global reality is that black people are subject to all sorts of disparities in most of our most challenging issues of our day. I think about issues like climate change (laughs) and how six of the 10 worst impacted nations by climate change are actually on the continent of Africa. Wow, this is great. (laughs) I wish I had had this for no agenda. This is fantastic. Good. Okay. So climate change is killing black men in the neighborhoods. Yes, uh, obviously, climate only affects us uh, <laughs> specifically. But as you see, it's a, a um, what do they call mission creep. Um, yeah, yeah, I'd say it's a form of mission creep. You know, they get in their foot in the door. Uh, people are like, oh, that Black Lives Matter thing is pretty cool. They got there. Let's tuck all these other things in with it, you know, and then it becomes so diluted that it doesn't even address. The original concern was, which is an actual concern, black men being shot in the streets. Let's not let's not poo poo that. But if the people that are receiving the funding and the attention go away from drawing attention to that problem, that's how an, can you yeah, expect that's anybody an else to? Exactly. And we see this over and over and over again. And that's why people become so jaded to these movements, because we know how it's going to end up. I mean, as we've seen on this show, hopefully, the past only repeats itself. Yeah. Uh, this is just a new iteration of something that um, that we've seen before. But let's listen to uh, Miss Opal Tomei speak some more. 
We also see disasters like Hurricane Matthew, which recently wreaked havoc in many different nations, but caused the most damage to Haiti. Haiti is the poorest country in this hemisphere, and its inhabitants are black people. And what we're seeing in Haiti is that they were actually facing a number of challenges that even preceded this hurricane. They were reeling from the earthquake. They were reeling from cholera that was brought in by UN peacekeepers and still hasn't been eradicated. This is unconscionable. And this would not happen if this nation didn't have a population that was black. And we have to be real about that. Yes, because uh, earthquakes only target black people. And, and hur- hurricanes. And, oh, and hurricanes. And uh, uh, Haiti is, uh, <laughs> this is Black Lives Matter, Haitian Black Lives Matter. This is great. <laughs> so let me ask you this a couple of questions, and these are no agenda questions. One, who who kind of took charge after that uh, earthquake happened in Haiti? Oh, well, that would be the Clintons. <laughs> Why no mention of the Clintons uh, and how they uh, misappropriated billions of dollars? Yes. Uh, ha- Haiti should be uh, a top-notch, top-notch nation. With the amount of money that was infused uh, from the from the uh, earthquake. Oh well, yeah. There. If, if the money was infused, I mean, what wound up happening is the Red Cross built about six homes, and the Clintons built a hotel, and they got the Bill and Hillary suite. No, it was, a, and and this is almost like mainstream acknowledgement of how poorly handled that was, and you know, not yes. to mention, uh, what's the guy? Um, Sweet Mickey Rodham. Martelli. Uh, there was a whole bunch of other. Who was the one? Didn't the Black Eyed Peas guy jump in there for for a hot minute? Uh, yeah. And uh, I th- uh, was it um was it him or were, are you talking about uh Watch White Club John? Oh, no, I'm sorry, White Club. Yeah, White Club okay, jumped yep. in for a hot minute. And yeah. let's not forget about uh Mr. Rodham, Hillary Clinton's brother. Uh, yes, he got <laughs> the, he got the the exclusive uh, mining licenses to mine for gold. Right. So, but it was the natural disaster that was the problem. Yes, because not, earth, not earthquakes. That, no, no, earthquakes and hurricanes hate black people, and they that's target. What I mean, they <laughs> racially they racially profile black racists. Like, hey, they're they island over there. Hey, that one looks nice. Let's let's go blow that one down. Uh, not the government, you know. And I I put the sole responsibility on the government of those nations because they're allowed to. Um, misuse the funds that are given to uh, assist their people. But this goes to show you the problem. They don't want to step on any toes of the mega donors and the donor, cl- uh, donor class because this is where they get their daily bread from. That's uh, uh, fundraising 101 right there in the book. Right. Yeah, you don't step uh, don't step on the toes of the donors. Uh, but moving forward, uh, Miss Alicia Garza Uh, Let's hear her take on Black Lives Matter. When you deal with what's happening in black communities, um, it creates an effervescence, right? So a bubble up rather than a trickle down. Let me give an example. When we talk about the wage gap, we often say women make 78 cents to every dollar that a man makes. Y'all have heard that before. 
But those are the statistics for white women and white men. The reality is that black women make something like 64 cents to every 78 cents that white women make. When we talk about Latinas, it goes down to about 58 cents. If we were to talk about indigenous women, if we were to talk about trans women, it would even go farther down. So again, if you deal with those who are the most impacted, everybody has an opportunity to benefit from that. Okay, well, this, you know, I have a trouble, I have a problem with these statistics in general. I don't know if that's where you want to go, but. I I don't, we're not going to go down there. Okay, all right, good. I I agree, I agree with your, I already know where you're going to come from. And yeah, those numbers are, 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 are a miss, miss, a twist of the calculations. The point I want to make is, out of all three founders, out of all the clips that we heard, we never heard the black man. male nope, no, not man a, nope, brought, <clears throat> nope. brought up once. And I didn't cherry pick this. I didn't cherry pick this um, TED Talks video. This is literally the first uh, question and their responses. Well, uh, that shows that we've been hoodwinked. Yes, we have. And we were told that we were hoodwinked by people on the ground uh, in Ferguson. Uh, There is a gentleman named uh, Darren Seals. Uh, He was one of the local activists, uh, and he was tied to the streets um, in Ferguson, uh, well-respected. He, you know, he started out in the streets, but then, you know, he uh, he he went away from that. To you know, kind of um, being a a positive force in the streets. But let's listen to Mr. Uh, Darren Seals speak about Black Lives Matter. What it is, man? It's these hashtags, Black Lives Matter, man. That's bull. That's bullshit, man. Black Lives Matter is some. Bad, them the ones that's doing it. People don't even know that Black Lives Matter. They the ones that who send these people. The dude D-Ray. Black Lives Matter. They sent him down here. That was started by some lesbians, man. And so now his name is D.B.? D-Ray. D-E-R-A-Y. D-Ray. And he's a homo. 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 Go on Twitter right now and follow him. Go look at him. About 60,000 followers. He's from, listen, it's the crazy part. He's from Baltimore. It's the crazy part. Look, he's from Baltimore. He's been hollering Ferguson, Ferguson, Ferguson. Got everybody thinking he's from Ferguson, right? Then the Ferguson thing acquired down. He went back to Baltimore. The Baltimore boys ran him up out of there. Well, a lot going on in this clip, Mo. Yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> and and so, I and I would say, in a way, it feels like we're getting a a look inside uh, the mind of, dare I say, an average Black American male. Uh, yeah, who are I, I'm not glad you brought up that re- point. Go ahead, yeah. I'm glad you brought up that point. Um, and he received pushback for using quote-unquote unacceptable language when he's talking about the LGBT community. Uh, they labeled him as a homophobic. He addressed that later on in the clip, but I didn't want to make the clip too long. Mm. Um, not later on this clip, but other clips. Uh, he he, uh, he addressed that as they painted him, as they paint anybody that disagrees with them as being homophobic and not to be heard. But the point he was trying to make is these people came from 
other places and um, created a situation and made the situation worse than it was that agitated uh, what was going on in Ferguson while reaping the benefits and actually wasn't even boots on the ground. They weren't standing on the front lines. No. They were uh, on Twitter. Uh, they were, you know, uh, securing the funds that never made it to the people like himself that were uh, were on the ground. And one thing you brought up is um, uh, inside the mind of a black man. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say this. Black people, and I've said this before, black people are some of the most uh, socially conservative groups there is. Uh, so when you try to push these new ideas and ideologies on us that go, uh, counter to what we believe, you get pushed back. Now he is not the most articulate person. Um, well, let me, let me jump in. I mean, just okay. from my perspective, uh, the general feeling I get, and I, you know, I don't like to generalize, but we're doing it is mm-hmm. that black men, uh, have an aversion against, uh, Gay men and certainly transgendered black men. Uh, okay, let, let's take let's take a. Uh, now that's that's just an observation. I, it's generalizing, you know. And tell me where I'm at. I'm going to speak from personal. Uh, I have nothing against uh, LGBT. The problem I have is the overrepresentation in the media of black men being gay. Got it. Where thirteen percent of the population is black, half of that makes us what six point five percent of the population, correct? Yep. But when you turn on the television, there's the Don- number <laughs> of black men. There's Don Lemon. Woo! Right. <laughs> of the number of black men represented in the media, represented in movies, represented in just overall what's portrayed on, you know. Uh, the television screens, movie screens, even memes. When you look at memes, black men are represented as overall a large portion, or a large portion of them are represented as uh, homosexual. Hmm. Also, just to, and I, I don't, I didn't want to go here, but it's going to be very important to this 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 conversation we're having. There was recently a guy named Malik Yoba. I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. But he was on a popular television show, uh, New York Undercover. It was in the 1990s on Fox. Mm-hmm. He's come out and he's been hugely pro-trans. Uh, uh, he's trying to say that if you date trans women, I don't know how it goes. Women, I think the women, men that are women are trans women, I believe. Yes, I, yes. I, I don't yes. have my... Yes. Right. They're pushing now that you shouldn't... If you don't want to date a trans woman, you're transphobic and homophobic. Yeah, well, and 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 that's colorless. I mean, that's across the board. If uh, if you say I'd never date a trans woman, you're transphobic right off. That's you know this is right. the this is the Dave Chappelle trap. This is the Dave Chappelle trap, and it's a it's amazing how these two things were going on at the same time in the news. You had Dave Chappelle's comedy special. And then you had uh, Malik Yoba coming out being an advocate for this. And, of course, they went to the Breakfast Club. And I don't want to go down that rat hole, but I just want to go to show you in the mind of an average black male. It's like, 
you're either portraying us as hypersexual, violent, or uh, hyper-feminine, uh, emasculated. There's no, you know, normalcy. We don't get any normalcy how we're represented in the media. And I think that's what you're hearing now from Mr. Darren Seals. But just to get back on track, let's hear on Darren, Darren Seals speak out about Black Lives Matter. So while they tweeting, they playing cat and mouse with the white folks. You know, they racist. They hiding behind fake pages on Twitter talking shit, going back and forth, retweets, retweets. It's like a big ass show. You know, so you got a lot of people sending them money, turning them into stars. Oprah tweeting at her and all that. They calling her fucking the face of Ferguson. Don't nobody know who the fuck she is. She ain't the face of shit. Wasn't even out there. When she came out there, she just sat there and tweeted. Like, what you do for the face of Twitter? That's what I call them. But anyways, man, well, how people don't understand Black Lives Matter it's an organization. They think it's just a hashtag and people just saying, man, anytime white folks are part of it, they put it in the media, something behind it. Believe that. Huh. Okay. So he saw what was going on. He saw the money coming in, but it wasn't reaching. You know, you see these GoFundMe's go up. You see these people that are receiving all this media attention on social media, but you're not seeing them on the front lines. Question. And he be, yes. How, uh, so the Black Lives Money funding, money that comes in, what do the boots on, what did they expect that they would uh, be giving them money to survive while protesting, uh, material, signs? I mean, what, what would the money... What was the money necessary for? Okay, bail, one, bailing people out of jail. Ah, yes, good. Uh, okay, got it. Uh, two, I mean, it's kind of like when, when you're, no, you, you got to look you at it like it. Yeah. when you're at war. And act, I mean, and I hate to use fun. a war analogy, mm -hmm. but you got to have resources to the troops. Mm -hmm. Well, the, the, uh, the bail right at the top, I get it. A lot of, uh, a lot of money raised for protesters is for, uh, for bail, bail funds. Okay, let me let me draw this analogy to you. So, say you you, you always bringing up the homeless issue in Austin, right? Mm -hmm. I'm from Northern Virginia, D DMV, uh, DC area. I'm like, man, that's terrible. What's going on in Austin? I come out there, I set up shop, saying, "Oh, Austin, Austin," but then I uh, secure funds and take them back to DMV. Oh yeah, no, I, off I, I, of I the get flight it. in Austin. Mm -hmm. That would be seen as like disingenuous. Yeah. Um, but uh, he he made a, a good he made a point there. It's it's not a good point, but what black people have noticed, and, and I'm just speaking in like in generality generalities, that whenever you see these groups show up, um, and you see they're headed by are funded, you know, by certain, you know, saying demographics, I'm being white liberals in this case, it, it, you know, it really irks you, you know, and especially when you're, when we saw how he understood how it was going to end up what we saw in the previous clips of how they were speaking uh, about what Black, Black Lives Matter had evolved to, mm -hmm. not what they were raising money off of. But, um, Mr. Darren Seals, um, 
he was causing too many problems. <laughs> Don't upset the apple cart. Right. When you come out there and you start, and he has started get, gaining attention, uh, albeit from smaller platforms. That's why I had to get, I had to really dig to get these clips because um, they were really, uh, for lack of a better word, blackballing him in the media. Mm-hmm. Until uh, a certain event happened. Darren Seals was known locally as a rapper, nationally for his activism during the Ferguson protests. Seals was found shot inside a burning car in Riverview on Diamond Drive. Police initially thought they were responding to a car on fire, but once they put out the flames, they discovered Seals' body inside with a gunshot wound. The community cares about Benjamin Granda is with the St. Louis County Police Department. He's hoping SEAL's status will encourage people to come forward with information. I do know that there is a lot of sentiment in the community that they want justice, they want the truth, and we hope to give that to them. We can't do it alone, so we're hoping that uh, friends, family members, acquaintances, so, or just any members of the community can come forward and help us out with this, with any information they may have. Yeah, you know, I vaguely remember this. And I remember, and we might have even talked about it on No Agenda, where we are like, well, if you're in the car and the car's burning and you got a bullet hole in you, you got to know that's not suicide. Not suicide and not some random beef. Uh, the guy was beloved in his neighborhood by the people that actually lived there. Uh, it reminds me of the... And God, his name just slipped my mind just that quick. Um, the guy that was shot in D.C. with the Democratic. Um, he was a Democratic uh, Party worker. Oh, uh, uh, from, <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, That's sad. That's am, sad I, am I thinking it's Sean? It was his name, Sean. Uh... It wasn't Sean. It was. <sighs> This is horrible that we don't don't know this. Uh, okay, That's, consult the book of knowledge. I am Seth Rich. I knew I was going to get there. Seth Rich. Seth Rich, and that just the fact that we forget shows is you even more troubling. Yeah, that's that's tragic, isn't it? Because we remember him. I mean, we all remember him, but as I mean, you just go to show you that people can be erased, and this is the case. I think is good with Darren Seals. He was talking too much uh, for certain people good. And wow. we know as looking back now, a lot of big money was being pumped into Black Lives Matter. Now, was there any, was, was there any kind of investigation? Was there any follow up uh, of this uh, this murder? I searched all over the Web. That was the only clip I could find. And uh, there was other ones around that time just reporting the death, but no follow up. Mm-hmm. And usually when there's no follow, I'll, I'll say it like this. If you OK, it's two it's two ways you can look at it. One, the police killed him or people pro police killed him because he was an activist. Mm-hmm. Then you use him as a martyr. Oh, wow. You know, to gain attention. Right. I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, it's, of course. It, it, right. But the fact, and it was the same thing with Seth Rich. If he was killed because he had information uh, about the Russians, mm-hmm. uh, quote unquote Russians, yeah, that would, uh, or or you could use gun violence, which would have been great for the Democratic Party. 
you know, look, another, you know what I'm saying, one of our own taking down my gun violence. You know, we need to bring attention to um, gun control. And, and to be None sp- of that. And to be specific, Seth Rich, um, the, the belief is that he was the one that pulled the emails from the Democratic National Committee server and gave those to WikiLeaks. That's true. But what I'm saying is if you say it's a random street crime. Which is the official story. Yeah. Right. Why didn't the Democrats use this as a one of our own taken by gun violence? Well, you it, know, it was a, it was a 22 caliber. It's not a scary AR-15, but I understand what you're saying. Right. And it's the same thing. If you look at it through the same lens here, if it was a anti black lives matter right. pro cop murder. Right. We need to use this guy as a martyr. Yes. But when it goes silent, <laughs> then you know something's up. Okay. All right. I like something's the analogy. Up. Totally get it. So that's that's how I saw that, but we got to understand, okay, if we're going to go with he was silenced, why would he be silenced? And my theory is the money that was being pumped into Black Lives Matter and who was doing it. So, Who's funding Black Lives Matter? One of the big donors seems to be George Soros, our old pal, who gives big money to affiliates of Black Lives Matter, groups that do direct business with them. Also giving money directly to the group, entertainers Jay-Z and Beyonce. There they are. Joining us now from Washington, Kelly Riddell, an investigative reporter for The Washington Times. Is this just a fringe group or should we take them seriously? Well, I mean, you got to look at Black Lives Matter is really an umbrella slogan kind of uh, group that encompasses a lot of social justice um, workers um, and a lot of social justice organizations. And um, it's it was a, it's a group that was started by three women that work at Soros backed organizations that are into community organizing. Um, into kind of riling up activists. Yes. Okay. It's all coming back now. Yep. And I remember, I don't know which one of the women had, I think, a $2 million nonprofit that definitely was funded by Open Society Institute, i.e. George Soros. I don't know about all of them, though. That was uh, Alicia uh, Garza. Okay. Yeah, and that's the one you guys covered on the No Agenda, that she was receiving some money from some Chinese uh organization um hmm. we i think we're saying we, you did some research on that as well but let's you know saying i digress on that point but if we're going to go with the theory that he was silenced big money will get you silenced very quickly this is a very black lives matter and that's why i'm harping on this and just to go we're going going backwards to go far forward why d ray mckesson and Sean King are having this long-standing beef. Mm. D-Ray was in the position of power. He had the blue vest. He was on the Tonight Shows. And lo and behold, Sean King came in and replaced him at some point. Now D-Ray's on the outside looking in. The women of Black Lives Matter have moved on to bigger and better uh, causes to fight. And he's left with only Twitter fame. <laughs> uh, and no, that's not my words. Uh, let, let, let me go to, like I said, there's an article that came out this morning um, from Sean King. And there was this was his reply. Uh, let me find it. 
so in the beginning of his article, he mentions how um, he says, I am not a Twitter account. When I look in the mirror in the morning, I don't see at Sean King or a social media personality. I'm a husband to the brilliant black woman I first met and fell in love with in 1996. And that was in him saying that because, yeah, uh, you you picked up on that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, at Mofax. I hear you. Right. So, but he goes on to say, let me see. Uh, D-Ray has been basically, uh, okay, here's a quote. D-Ray is now mainly f- famous for being famous, more more than he is famous for actually doing uh, real work that helps real people. And because his fame is mostly exclusively centered on Twitter. Got it. So he's saying we branched out, we become real uh, entities in the movement. And poor D-Ray is just, you know, he's a Twitter, he's a Twitter celebrity. Right. <laughs> um, and that's that's uh that's the fundamental beef right there. That's the fundamental beef right there. So uh I know you guys are saying and everybody's saying, well, Mo, you're coming with Fox News facts <laughs> about so <laughs> About Soros uh, and Black Lives Matter. No, I, I, so let's go. I, I actually looked it up. I remember looking at the, the Form 990 of um, of Garza's uh, nonprofit, and there it was, Open Society Institute. That's not Fox News. That's, you know, IRS filings. Well, as I always like to do, I like to bring balance, and we're going to list the Mr. Dave Pacman, who is super progressive. He's a Bernie bro. Uh and he's going to also make the claim that Black Lives Matter is Soros funded. And I have a very, very uh, specific idea that we need to explore seriously, which is that the anti-Bernie Sanders tinge of the Black Lives Matter movement recently could be George Soros funded AstroTurf. And I will speak as specifically as possible, Lewis, and then I will allow you, Lewis, to tell me what you think about this. Uh, it's widely on record. That George Soros, the liberal billionaire, has poured a ton of money into two movements that were instrumental in creating Black Lives Matter and the buzzword. Dating back to January, we knew that George Soros spent over $30 million bankrolling Ferguson demonstrators. And of course, Ferguson relates to Officer Darren Wilson, who killed unarmed teenager Michael Brown and was ultimately not charged. This includes support by George Soros of groups like Color Lines News for Action, Organization for Black Struggle, which established itself, then established the Hands Up Coalition. Mm. Soros also gave money to the Drug Policy Alliance, which worked on pushing Black Lives Matter as a buzzword, which has since been incorporated into speeches by political figures, including Hillary Clinton. Now, tell me again about this uh, Dave Pakman. Dave Pakman, he's uh he has almost seven hundred thousand followers on uh YouTube. Um, he's uh progressive. Is he white guy uh, or black guy? At, he, white guy. Mm-hmm. White guy. All right. Uh, and you asked me a question uh last show about is black woke and white woke <laughs> uh the same? Yeah. Um, uh, and this is where you can see where they can part ways because 
they have different uh, agendas. agendas and yeah. They have different agendas, and if they don't line up, they will attack each other. Uh, so this is the perfect example of that. Now, I guess other people may say, well, Mo, that's just two white guys <laughs> saying that black guys, <laughs> black lives matter. Yeah, yeah, Mo, what's funded. up with that? Right, so um, let's go to Mr. Lord, Lord Jamal, Jamar, of uh, brand Nubian fame, a uh, rapper from the 1990s. Can't get so much blacker can't, than that. That's just as black as they come. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and let's listen to him speak on Black Lives Matter being support, supported by Soros. I don't know. I just thought that was weird shit. And I'm not no Black Lives Matter supporter. Like, You're not? No, absolutely. Why not? Because it's not our movement. This is a movement that was given to us by, you know, George Soros and his fucking boys. Um, because they saw how things were going and they didn't want it to go back to the 60s to where we start having our own organic movements. That was a big fucking problem for them. So let's give the people of movement that we can control. We'll provide them the leaders and all of this type of shit. And um, yeah, that's what Black Lives Matter is. Look at the leaders of Black Lives Matter. Are there leaders of oh, Black yeah. Lives Matter? Yeah. Who? Look at these lesbian women who are trying to incorporate, you know, LG, whatever the fuck the letters are, incorporate those, their concerns into black people's concerns. Go to the website. Look it up. Well, first, let's help uh, Lord Jamar. It's L-G-B-B-T-Q-Q-I-A-A-P-K. And what's what strikes me about this clip, what he said in the beginning, is he sees this situation, which I agree with, pretty much as the dinner scene from the movie Trick Baby. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is something Not, that's come <laughs> back as a current theme of this show. Now you're seeing it's all about control opposition. Uh, we have to control, uh, you know, the masses. And what do we do about, how do we do that? We put the leadership in front of them, uh, whether it's homegrown, they, it's two ways it can happen. They can grow the leadership from the ground up, which uh, that's, I think this is where the conservative conservatives and liberals uh, deviate in mindset. A lot of your conservative um, talking heads are grown from the ground up. Um, what liberals do is they say, who's hot in the streets right now? Mm. And they say, okay, Black Lives Matter, that's the move. Okay, this is what we're going to do. What's your number? And then they come in, they co-opt them, they give them money. You know, they give them, the, like I said, D-Ray McKesson went from on Twitter. I remember seeing this guy pop up, and I'm like, who is this? I do this. And what I mean by I do this, I'll see, I watch and I see who are they putting up as movers and shakers. And when new people start to pop up, I did the same thing with Obama. Who is this guy? I never saw him in a jet. I never saw him in an ebony. I never, you know, and then you just pop up out of nowhere. Uh, same thing with D-Ray McKesson. Who is this guy? I never seen you on black YouTube. I never seen, you know, because it's a circuit. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, even you can go back because a lot of times this stuff was captured on VHS uh, and then it was later loaded up on the YouTube, even pre-YouTube. Mm. So I mean, a lot of these people have past history. history. They got history, yeah. 
Right. So when you start digging, like, I don't find anything on this guy, D-Ray. I don't find anything on this guy, Sean King. I don't find anything on these three ladies from Black Lives Matter. You know, they didn't come up through the uh, uh, one of the big circuits is the uh, it was the black bookstore circuit. That was kind of like the chitlin circuit for uh, black. Um, uh, black uh, speakers and thinkers, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you, you, every, uh, town that had a large or semi-large black population had a black bookstore where they would sell literature. And like on Saturdays, give me all some inside baseball here, folks. Um, on Saturday, often a person might push in a book, uh, would come to speak at these, uh, of bookstores. And that's where the VH, VHS tapes will pop up at. Uh, you don't have that now because they can go straight to the people via uh, YouTube or mm-hmm. social media. Mm-hmm. So, But that's what I'm saying. You have a legacy built up of saying, okay, this guy is an agent or he ain't an agent, you know, because you had to make your, you know, you had to make your name and state your claim in those bookstores. Um, these guys don't have any of that. Uh, so when I started to go do my homework on this, as Lord, Lord Jamar, uh, did he's like man who who the hell are these people and i want to be clear for certain people out there they might hear this um tinge of black male versus the lgbt community the problem with that and i want to make this very clear is they've co-opted us in so many ways and when i say us the struggles of black people specifically black men to say, oh yeah, we're just like black people. Black people don't have right. a closet. <laughs> we don't have a closet that we can live. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? So it's very insulting. Uh now, on the other hand, uh you shouldn't be uh disrespectful of anybody's life choices. I believe that. You know what I'm saying? To each his own, whatever you know what I'm saying, whatever you're into. So we have to be respectful. But when somebody comes in and co-ops, you know, the civil rights movement, they co-opted that. Uh, Black Lives Matter, they co-opted that. Uh, not the, the we, we know Black Lives Matter was created well, I'll, I'll solely g- for that. I'll give you another example. Um, the Tea Party, which has nothing to do with black or white, although there were mm-hmm. probably white people, which was started by Ron Paul. And uh, this is 2008. And that got co-opted massively. And there's still to a the tea- bunny ranch. Yeah, and there's, <laughs> there's still a tea party that has nothing to do with the original libertarian idea behind it. So yeah, the, the political movements uh, get co-opted all the time. Yeah, but the problem is, it's the same people co-opting our movements over and over and over again. And I'm not just talking about the 1990s. I'm going all the way back to uh, the Harlem Renaissance of the 1920s. That was funded, and I, I may have to do a later show. On now this, you, but you know, you just you got me with all. You already got me with the black bookstores, which of course I didn't know about. Now I need to know about this movement in the twenties. But we, that can be a separate show. But I'm already intrigued. Just, just as a teaser, uh, <laughs> one of the the, the guy uh, listed as the father of uh, the Harlem Renaissance was hugely pro LGBT in that time. And I'll just leave it at that. Huh. Okay. Um, so back to Lord Jamar. Um, let's listen to him continue on with, about Black Lives Matter. 
You see what I'm saying? There's no real. Why is he? There is leaders. This is what I'm telling you. They're lesbians. <laughs> They're black lesbians. Key people are Sean King. Who's that? He's a he's a writer for uh, New York uh, Daily News. I'm not talking about who key people. Go to the fucking website. Who runs the shit? Is there a website? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, because when I looked at Black Lives BLM leader, the key people that it, it, there's no leader that that's listed, but the key people that are listed is Sean King, uh, DeRay McKeeson, and Janetta Elzy. So as you seen there, Lord Jamar said when he said Sean King, who's that? Right. If he doesn't know you, I mean you 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 have no credentials. I mean, because he his I think his knowledge will be even more extensive than mine. I mean, by far. And to who are the movers and shakers and and, and uh pro black uh society. And he was like, who's that? Uh, but as we see, fast forward, uh, just going back to the article that uh, Sean King wrote to um, D-Ray. D-Ray McKesson. So he, he, here's why these things happen in the time that they happen. Let me, let me just explain to you. Okay, Sean King was being recognized by Rihanna. Ah, okay. This is once you get into that, then you're up and up and into the new circles, right? So, uh, they were having a. Uh, she has. Hold on, hold on. Let's see. It says okay. Going back to the article, uh, D. Ray chose to release a public attack against me hours before the Diamond Ball. Uh, was vindictive, short-sighted, and destructive. So the diamond ball was a ball being held um, about the Clara uh, uh, Lionel Foundation, which is uh, Rihanna's foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, so and then he goes on to say, he says, but because the race poor, poorly timed, and I, I don't agree with that. I think it was ex- you were saying excellent, excellently timed uh, uh, op-ed on the red carpet re- uh, reporters berated guests about me and my presence. And instead of Rihanna and the foundation or the diamond ball being the top, the trending topic in the country, it was D-Ray and his attacks against me all night long. So now we're seeing Sean King is in the, you know, in the inner circle, not only, you know, on black topics, but with celebrities, you know, you're getting honored by, um, by Rihanna, and you're getting, you're saying, get invited to these balls, uh, and not only that, but he's getting support by the one and only Cardi B. One of the main reasons why it's so important for me to be here is because Rihanna is honoring Sean King. A lot of people need to follow Sean King on Instagram. He protests so much for all minorities. He protests so much for the whole entire world. And he's doing this thing right now. It's called um, uh, Vote for Senate. It's very important for people to vote for Senate and everything. So we could dethrone things. You know what I'm saying? Because the Democrats already got the House. We already got the House. We already that's my black card right there. 
you, you caught me on ground. <laughs> I practiced for hours. Oh, all right. So, well, hold on a second. Did you Car- catch? Car- First of all, Cardi B is dumb. All right. She's just dumb. I, I've seen Cardi B. I've, I, I hear what she says. She, I mean, she's an entertainer. She's funny to watch. She's got the hooks. She's got all that. And, you know, she's very entertaining to watch, but I don't think she's smart. Wait a minute, Adam Curry. Mm. You wait a minute, sir. Yeah, oh, here we go. <laughs> According to Mr. D-Ray's article, I mean, um, Mr. Sean King's article, he says, quote, furthermore, a sexist, dismissive assumption is being made about both Rihanna and Cardi B there you go. and their public and private support <laughs> of me. The assumption is that D-Ray knows better than they do. And so, so does Adam Curry. Yeah, well, uh, not in the quote, but, I stand uh, by my by my points here. All right, he says the inference is that Rihanna and Cardi B were only better informed if they um uh, if they were only a little smarter and only a little more woke like him. If they only knew what Twitter knows, they yeah. wouldn't fuck with me. Quote unquote. Uh, uh, by the way, I don't so, th- I don't I don't think Rihanna's dumb. I think she's actually very smart. You fell right into the trap, though. Of course I did. (laughs) (laughs) I'm living up to my dumb white guy image. Okay, I'm sorry. No. All right. So to get to that level, you can see why D-Ray is furious. Yeah, he's pissed. I'm going to say this again. Him being uh, uh, of the LGBT community, he's like, this guy, Sean King, hang over Rihanna and, and and Cardi B, yeah, and I'm sitting at home. That has to irk him. Yeah, that has to irk him. Um, but it's man. Um, but so now we now we're see while we're here. I, I went all the way around, you know, the block to get us to the point of the beef. Now we understand the beef. Now there has been some issues. Uh, even. Sean King himself saying uh, there has been issues with his fundraising abilities. So let's listen to fundraising fraud claims uh, one. One of the critiques of you is that you're good at creating stuff, good at building stuff, and good at fundraising for stuff. But then somewhere between the conceptualization and the execution is a gap. Oh, that's true. That is probably the best criticism of me that somebody could offer. Like, I'm, I'm a natural starter. I'm a, I'm, I've been fundraising my entire life, and so I know how to pitch an idea. But I have struggled up until the past two or three years to figure out how to start something, grow it, and maintain it. And the organization that we started, Real Justice, is probably the best thing I've ever been a part of. Hmm. Real Justice? So that's the Real Justice Pack, mm-hmm. the one we spoke about before. Yep. Um, so if you listen to him say, okay, so now Adam, you work with venture capitalists. So let's look at this in the light of a venture capitalist. Uh, I believe so. It's correct. Is that a correct statement? Well, you mean, you mean like Soros, he's, he's more hedge fund than venture capitalist. What, what I mean is say somebody, how, okay, this is my understanding how a venture capitalist work. Say I have the MoFax app and it's the greatest thing since sliced bread, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll be, I'll be the venture capitalist. I've, I've worked right, with a and lot I of want them. you to fund, I want you to fund me and this, I'll tell All you, right. okay, this is how it's going to work, Adam. Uh, you know, it's going to be the best thing, you know, ever. And all I need you to do is throw your money in, you know, saying behind the project. And we're going to be, you know, saying we're going to change the world. Great. 
Great. So what is my return on my investment? Right. So, but you give me the money. Okay. So you say, okay. <laughs> All right. All right. I believe you. I'm giving you the money. All right. You, you believe me the money. And then I come back to you say, you know what? Me implementing this idea is my problem. You know, I can come up with them. I have great ideas, but you know, that money you gave me, I just have problems with, you know, uh, uh, implementing the idea. That's basically what this guy just said. Yeah. I need some more. In his last clip. <laughs> yeah. How, how can you, how would that work out? And, 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 and I know I'm maybe comparing apples to oranges a little bit, but when you say you have an idea or you have a, you know, something that's going to change the world and people invest in you, they expect some kind like you, like you just asked, what's the return on my investment? Now it might not be money, but you want to see results, right? Well, what we, we call this executing. Executing. Okay. Now, if I come back to you and say, well, you know, Adam, my problem is really executing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Is that an acceptable excuse? No, that is not acceptable. That, in fact, the only reason to come back for more money with the venture capitalists is because I can make you even more money if we keep pumping more into it. We can build more scale. But saying, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I couldn't execute. I need some more money is probably the worst thing you can say. But that's what he just said. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's clear. This is it's, on BT. Uh, let me be clear. This is from BT. Mm-hmm. This is from BT. Um, and he got no pushback. Nobody said, "Well, you know, uh, a difference between like a dream and an idea is an idea you can actually, you know, materialize it. Execution, uh, right? Execute. You can execute, but no, he it's an acceptable excuse that he can't execute, and nobody gives him pushback. And I think that's what D Ray is saying. Uh, and his article is like, dude, you've got so much money, but we haven't seen anything change. Right. We haven't seen any fruits, you know, uh, fruits, or, you know, saying of, of this money or, of, or supposed hard work. All right. So that's one thing he brought up in this, uh, this, this interview with BET. Uh, let's go to uh, fundraising frauds, too. But the truth is, because I am who I am, because I look how I look. There are doors that are open to me that sometimes shouldn't. Like, there are privileges and platforms that I get. There is this degree of even, like, light skin privilege and accessibility. Like, because I look how I look, that makes me more relatable to white people in white spaces. Mm -hmm. So what I have to do, if I have some level of relatability that I didn't choose, I was born with it, Mm have to use it i have to squeeze it i have to maximize it Hmm. Hmm. so mr sean king the one's always preaching about privilege this and privilege that likes to use the recipient (laughs) recipient of light skin privilege and now this is this is a a baseball this is a real uh category this light skin privilege it's called colorism oh called colorism now it is heavy heavy in the black community is it is a real thing uh it is uh but it's not exclusive to the black community the reason why i say that is the indian caste system is based off of colorism uh um when you go to brazil it's colorism so what it is is the lighter your skin is the more accessible or acceptable you are to white society 
Now, let me make the point out. D. Ray McKesson is dark skin. Yeah. <laughs> so, well, I, I, well, I was just sitting here. I was just reflecting. I'm trying to think how would I would I feel different getting a pitch from light light skin uh, or dark skin? And I was just I was contemplating it. I don't know, but I I'm sure it exists. I'm sure it's real. I, I'm not saying I can't speak to how it is perceived from the white side. Oh, uh, but um. Uh, some people in the black community, and I'm not going to say all, I never say all or anything, believe that light-skinned people have an easier life. Now, where that hits me is uh, I have two children that are brown-skinned. I have two, two children that are light-skinned. Uh, I, don't, I don't think, you know, uh, I don't think uh, one gets privileged more than the other. Uh, but I think this thought is taught at an early age. And I think two things are being conflated here. Well, MTV. Lights. Okay, go ahead. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, just to interrupt you. MTV mm-hmm. did a MTV decoded video where they say colorism is not racism. Do you remember that clip? Vaguely. Do you want to just hear that for a second to hear how the young people are being taught? Today, we're talking about a mode of discrimination that predominantly impacts people of color. And you might be surprised hearing this from me, but this episode's not about racism. I'm talking about colorism. First, let's be clear about what the word colorism actually means. Colorism is not synonymous with racism. It's a form of discrimination based on skin color. And before you're like, wait, isn't that like the literal definition of racism? Hold on to your social constructs because we're going to knock a few down. And today, we've got a special guest to help us with this demolition project. Hey, Lee, let's break this one down. Claro que sí. As a Latino of color, colorism is something I'm all too familiar with. Racism involves discrimination based on things such as skin color, but it's also dependent on power dynamics that become perpetuated by years of structural oppression. Black and Latino men getting longer sentences for the same crime as white men? Racism. Black and Latino aunts telling you to date light-skinned men? Colorism. Because we often conflate race with skin color, sometimes distinguishing between colorism and racism can get tricky. Colorism. It sucks. This is one way racism and colorism are different. Systems of oppression favor white people, meaning black people can't technically be racist towards other black people. But clearly in this case, they can and do perpetuate colorism in their own communities. The discrimination is coming from inside of the house. Example number three. Language. There's a pretty common phrase people in Puerto Rico and the Dominican Republic grow up with, gafre. Among Spanish speakers in the Caribbean, the word means someone low class or brutish, and is said by people of all colors and racial backgrounds. The word implies you're acting darker in both complexion and behavior, but the word itself carries a linguistic and cultural connection to blackness. It shares roots with the South African racial slur, kafir. Wow, there's a lot in there. (laughs) There's a lot in there, and... We're conflating two things. Yeah. We have to understand where that thought process comes from. Okay. So to, okay. So if you have a group of dark skinned people, the way you get light skin had to be through interracial relations, sex. Mm -hmm. So that means that you have a parent or, or lineage from white people. So that's where that thought process comes from of lighter skin privilege and it's a real thing because going back now uh, <laughs> going back in slavery 
the master kids that were uh, his kids by a slave would often be given their freedom. And so they created this subclass in black society where they were not quite white, but they were above black people. Mm. And that's where it comes from. And just as just a long story short, um, but you have the brown paper bag test. You had the, uh, uh, <laughs> the great. pencil test. Well, well, yeah, well, I'm, I'm serious. Uh, where uh, in the late 1800s, early 1900s, you couldn't come to certain meetings or marry into certain families if you were darker than a brown paper bag. Brown paper bag. Uh, what the fuck? Spike Lee, <laughs> That's crazy. Right. Wow. This is true. Mm. And Spike Lee's movie school days covered this. Even sororities and fraternities were the same way. That's why if you go back and look at certain pictures from uh, that Divine Nine of Greek fraternities I was telling you about, mm-hmm. at a certain time point, you would only see fair-skinned people in these organizations with certain hair textures. Uh, they, would, they wouldn't marry right. white. Uh, so say if you were light-skinned, you wouldn't marry white, but you would only marry light-skinned. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I interrupted you. You were going to tell a personal story about your kids, and I think I interrupted you. I'd love to hear what you're going to say. Oh well, well, like I said, it's. I don't think people nowadays uh, feed into colorism as much uh, because, like I said, I I have brown skinned children and light skinned children. I treat them equally. I make them equally responsible. But like I said, what we're dealing with is from the past. Uh, these are these are very old mindsets, uh, but as you know, with, with any privilege, uh, people want to point it out when it doesn't benefit them. Of course, and it's amazing that he openly said, "Oh yeah, I benefit from light skin privilege." Uh, but going back to the TED talks from the Black Lives Matter uh, uh, clips that we heard before, there was one clip that Miss Alicia Garza said. That I found interesting. Uh, the reality is that race in the United States operates on a spectrum from black to white. Doesn't mean that people who are in between don't experience racism, but it means that the closer you are to white on that spectrum, the better off you are, and the closer to black that you are on that spectrum, the worse off you are. <sighs> yeah. So even she acknowledges it. Mm-hmm. So. Going back to, I'm not, I'm not pro D-Ray. I think it's honestly, this is the snake eating its tail. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, in, yeah, in this yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah, So I'm just standing back looking like, hey, but you knew this. I, I could have told you this was going to happen. I could have told you D-Ray was going to play the, um, he was going to play the colorist card. Which he hasn't yet, but I mean, but that's, it, but that's it, it, it really, will be played. But that's really reviving some old shit that has no place in society, in black society anymore, but it, yet it's being used. Well, yeah, it, it, that's, the, that's a great point. It, 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 but that goes to show you that any privilege can be used, even though it may not be functional, uh, well, I will say this, and I want to challenge you to do something. It's not only, it's not only in our minds. The mass media has something to do with this. Hmm. And the reason why I say this is, watch television. On a commercial, you would never see a man with a woman darker than him. Hmm. 
Except Barack Obama. Well, that's why he got so many credentials in the black community. And mm-hmm. he understood that. Mm-hmm. And he understood that. He said, I have to go get, you know, <laughs> the the most sisters I can find. <laughs> and, you know, and bathed in that. Yeah. Uh, Kamala Harris. Yeah. Colorism has an issue. She has a colorism problem. She's darker than Cory uh, Booker. That's why, but she's lighter than a Stacey Abrams. Bingo. <laughs> and Joy Reid should get off TV. <laughs> but that's why Joy Reid gets away with murder. Yeah. Yeah. That's why Joy Reid gets away with murder. If Joy Reid was a, uh, uh, okay, say Joy Reid compared to a, um, what's the lady's name that's always on CNN? Uh, it's always. Oh, uh, uh, Ana Cabrera? No. Um, it's, no, no. She's fair skinned. Oh, 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 Ray. Uh, 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 but not. Right, 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 right. Um, Angela, Angela Rye, uh, Angela Rye, Angela Rye. Why do Rye. I know all these black people, Mo? Come on, <laughs> because it's a great Twitter, man. It's a great <laughs> Angela Rye. Yes, we we've got right. Mm-hmm. If Angela Rye was to say some of the things that um a darker skinned woman has said, and uh, you just said her name, God, I'm I'm, I'm off today, but um. Joy, um, Joy Reid. What was the dark skinned lady for MSNBC? Joy Reid. Joy Reid. If Joy Reid, if, if, if Joy Reid words were to come out of Angela Rye's mouth, she would be canceled. Let's be let's be clear on this. Oh, okay. uh, but yeah. when you're dealing with white society, Sean King says to get in to make people feel more comfortable, and we're talking about liberals here. Let's be. We're not talking <laughs> about conservatives. We're talking about liberal, the most liberal thinking people. He even acknowledge that his light skin makes people feel more comfortable. Uh, so that makes you wonder, okay, there, his light skin has become an issue. Clip 20. I have tremendous respect for the work that he's done. But when you're, um, if you hold yourself up to something that is not what you claim to be, then that's a problem if you're a leader. And I'm not, I'm not saying that he's doing that, but that is what's in question now. Has and that's why this story you? is newsworthy. Has- Here's what he said to me. So I asked him about it because there are all these claims about him, uh, whether he's black, white, biracial, right. uh, or whether he's, was there a civil... Um, a uh, hate crime that happened to him back in 1995. And I said to him last night, I said, what would you like to convey? And he said, uh, number one, this attack isn't about me so much, but about derailing Black Lives Matter and the movement against police brutality. And he said, number two, the reports are all lies. I tried hard to debunk them and others have said, as other, uh, and others have said that they are lies as well. And then he said, I will speak soon. And I asked him specifically, I said, you know, are you legally black? Are you legally white? Or are you biracial? Uh, are you black or white? He said, I am biracial. And I said, is that what it is on your birth certificate? He did not answer. Hmm. I'm going to say this, and I am not a birther. I need to see that birth certificate. (laughs) (laughs) I need to see it. Yeah. He, he, Sean King, people go look at him. He never struck me to be a black guy. He never once struck me to be, be a black. As we pointed out on this show, when you're good for the movement, they give you a pass. Right. The reason why I say that is we recall Miss Rachel Dolezal. 
Oh, my favorite. Well, Martha, I'll be honest with you. Until a few days ago, I thought he was a white dude. I had no idea that he was pretending or telling people that he was black. And I know some people out there are asking that very question that you just did right now. Well, why does this matter? It matters because for the past year, we have heard this phrase white privilege thrown around, thrown in people's faces. It's been used as as a way to divide. I mean, this isn't Sean King, by the way, isn't the first Rachel Dozel. Elizabeth Warren was the first one. Rachel Dozel was the second Rachel Dozel. And now he's the third. And it just seems incredibly ironic. You know, he was born in Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And I just I, I just uh, brought up a picture to take a look at it. I mean, he could be Latino for all I know. And even then, he'd be very, very light skinned. Very light skinned. Yeah. Uh, and if. Like I said, uh, he's never struck me to be a I mean, when I saw him, I, I didn't say that. Oh, that's a black guy. Um I'd like to see him with his hair. I'd, I'd like to see him with his hair longer. Then I'd get a better idea. We have to do the hair right. test. And, and he and he's he's did the chameleon thing. Mm-hmm. He's embraced the black hairstyle, yeah. the mustache. Yeah, you know, um, same way Rachel Dolezal, uh, which was a one hundred complete one hundred percent complete white woman with a uh, mustache. If people don't remember. Um, when she put the braids in, yep. uh, the skin toner, tanner, or however you want to call it. Yeah, she she said she, she identified she identified as black, and she ran a local chapter of the NAACP. It was fantastic, a great story. But the, so why do we cancel her? And Sean King gets a pass because she admitted he, her, her parents came out and said she's white, and that's why I, sh- I don't know who Sean King's parents are. Right, uh, but for you to say. Uh, you don't bring forth your birth certificate. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just weird. But as we saw with Gandhi, as we saw with uh, Cesar Chavez, as we saw with, and as long as the imagery is good for the movement, we'll give you a pass. And we not, this is not only exclusive to Sean King, the lady brought up with, uh, with um, Elizabeth Warren. She got a pass. Oh, she yo. should be canceled. <laughs> you mean uh, the whole Pocahontas thing? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. She yeah. appropriated somebody's culture. Yes, but she gets a pass because she's for the greater good, and this is this is their thought pattern for the greater good. But but, uh, when, but let's, let's, when you say the greater good, we're talking about the greater good for the money that the pe- for the people who are holding the money who are going to give the money. Right, it's for their the, greater for, good for the movement for the yeah. for the. For the Right for the greater good, if we can make the story go away, and uh, and this the uh, the clip before the last one we played that was Don Lemon. Now uh, that was, he he was supposed to press Sean King, but everybody has hands off. This is what I think: everybody has the hands off on Sean King. Whenever you can uh, motivate or uh, the the raising of thirty million dollars, yeah, you're gonna be that money's boss. going somewhere. Yeah, you're the boss. You're not sure. gonna you're not gonna you're not gonna be canceled, and and it's not exclusive to him because the same way uh, Elizabeth Warren is not canceled because she's the front runner for the Democratic nomination. She is the leading woman uh, uh, candidate, um, and she wasn't canceled. But let's listen to uh, Sean King Dolezal, too. 
Jones. I mean, he had once suggested to a friend of mine, Lawrence Jones, who's a black conservative, that he wasn't black enough somehow. I mean, I've watched this guy sit here and call people white supremacists and use the term white privilege and throw around these terms. So, yeah, if you're going to kind of throw around those terms and be out in someone's face as the judge and jury of blackness or whiteness, and this comes up and there are records showing that your dad is white, yeah, it does become an issue because it shows that it's ironic and you're a hypocrite. And if the color doesn't matter, Andel, then uh, why throw all of those, um, you know, those phrases around from him? Well, I don't know what phrases you're referring to, but even Jesus, when asked about his brother and his mother, said, those people that do my father's will and obey what he says, those are my brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's Jesus about never what lied is he doing, who is he standing with? And, yeah, you know, as, as much God. as I, I like to hear Dana, I'm going to have to go with Jesus. <laughs> Hey, you can't you can't argue that. <laughs> now, now you you what you've just witnessed is a mind control technique presented by the male speaker in this clip to mind control black people. As we've listened before, who do we say was on the wall? Yep, we got Jesus. We got well now or before? Before, before. MLK, mm-hmm. Malcolm X, and mm-hmm. Jesus. No, it was Malcolm X, JFK. Uh, JFK and Jesus. I'm sorry. There yes, you you're right. And now replaced by uh, Oprah, Beyonce. Is, is Jesus still there? No, no. no he was replaced. Uh, <laughs> <with> Serena, <laughs> Serena Williams, Serena I believe Williams. Was. Well, you know yeah. what? I got to say, she is kind of Jesus. <laughs> I'll, I'll give her that. Right. <laughs> so, but as you see, it was, that, was, that was a deliberate yeah. mind control answer uh, to say to you're saying interject Jesus uh, into the conversation to uh, I hate to say the word again to mind control black people right now Jesus said who's my brother who's my mother you know how does that even equate and in the previous uh, back and forth between these two people he um, interjected. MLK talking points. Yeah. Okay. So he you, said so you're using said, the triggers. You're using the triggers. He was tr- he was triggering black people 100 percent because he says it's not about the color of your skin, but the context of your character. Yeah. Oh, hi. hi so hi, this MLK. guy was it, it was disgusting. It was disgusting what he did there. And you see, they're pulling all stops out to protect Sean King, but Malcolm X warned us about people like Sean King and how liberals will use them. Zero, zero. I'm suspicious of whites who join Negroes and always have to be in the lead, who always have to be the head, who always have to be at the top in Negro organizations. Those whites who really have the interest of blacks at heart, let them give some advice to some Negroes and stand on the sideline, but don't join the organization and then get at the head of it and pose as a friend of Negroes. Today, you could point to a large number of, of Negro leaders who have consistently betrayed Negroes in a whole host of areas. They aren't really Negro leaders. These are puppets that have been put in front of the Negro community by white liberals. These are parrots that have been put in front of the Negro community by white liberals. You can't name me a Negro leader who has been a Negro leader who has been betra- who has betrayed Negroes, who is not who has not been endorsed, sanctioned. Uh, subsidized and supported by the white liberal. Yeah, that sounds like Malcolm X, that's for sure. So, to bring out the point of what he's saying is, before we can even get off the ground, we have to always deal with these infiltrators. Uh, and this is what 
the the claim that D Ray is making, not that he's a white guy or or anything like that, but just that this guy's misappropriating funds, he's stealing money, you know, he's disingenuous. These things, it's only but see, D Ray is self serving. Where were you at when you were hot? Right. And let's not forget, we heard clips before. D Ray was accused of the same thing: misappropriating funds, uh, uh, stealing shine from the people on the ground in Ferguson. So, like I said, this is the snake eating its tail. Uh, so this this is where we're at with this story. Uh, but as I did some more digging, <laughs> as I always do. I found out I found a uh, potential smoking gun. Uh, Tom Jordan, Sean King one. But the most important thing we can do, I'm going to shape most of my work on this in 2018. The most important thing we can do is to elect progressive, woke, conscious, reform minded prosecutors. No single individual plays a bigger role in the criminal justice system in this country than the district attorney. Ah. I knew you'd get to the Soros sisters eventually, Mo. <laughs> Woo! I love it. I, that is the. You're right. That is ground zero right there. And that's Kamala, Kamala Harris. That's uh, who's in uh, Chicago. I mean, it's everywhere now. Uh, Kim Fox. K- Kim Fox, yes, in Chicago. I mean, I have a list of like 10, 15 names. And like I said, these things, these people are aligning on one agenda. Uh. That's two well, two agendas, but one is here that illustrate one is the flipping uh, uh, the House and the Senate. Uh, as you heard Cardi B say, she said, we. Yep. We, we got the House. She, yeah, she said we. No, she said we. <laughs> yeah, we got the House. Uh, right. And now you have a Sean King who's on Tom's Joyner radio show, which Tom Joyner. I, 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 I have high, high regard for Tom Joyner. I'm hoping that he pushed back on on Sean King in this interview. Hell no. <laughs> you know why? No. I don't even know why. <clears throat> Tom Joyner is a business associate of News One. Oh, okay. Got it. Radio One. Yeah. <laughs> now you heard why the first clip oh, was so important. Was so pro- yes. Was so protective of Sean King. Uh, and I, I like Tom Joyner. Oh, man. But Tom Joyner, he's he, he's old, not in the sense. I mean, not saying like that, but he's not trying to pick fights. He's not trying to make enemies in high places. He gives Sean the top, the the platform. You come on, you say your spiel. You know, we, you know, I'm not gonna push. Why? Why at this point in his career would Tom Joyner push back? Now you right. could look at it on the inverse and say, what do you have to lose? Right. But why now? He's kind of the o, o, as, the OG Charlemagne in a way. Right, that's. <laughs> I'm learning. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> and just to go to show you why we say, why is black race? Now we heard we. It's another common theme in this show that we, we we're doing here or this conversation repeatedly is black radio. Yeah, black radio is so influential in black culture because. It's access uh, to f- free entertainment mm-hmm. uh, in your car, as you say, at your desk. Yeah. 
you know, um, and it's kind of waning now. Uh, you are, are, you know, satellite radio with satellite radio and then people with uh, the aux cords and Bluetooth, you know, it's kind of eating into black radio. But black radio at one time was the end all be all. Of oh, black oh entertainment. I, 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 for sure. And uh, when I worked in New York, um, Z100, which for sure, Cracker White Station, you know, the the biggest competition was BLS, was um, KTU. I mean, yeah, the black radio was, has always been very successful in urban markets, for sure. Because it's, it's access, the access. Free it. access. Yeah, I'm with you. All you need is an FM radio. You mm-hmm. can dial right in. And if you need to uh, put a talking points out there, it's free over the, the radio waves. Mm-hmm. So now we see from the beginning of the first clip, to the end, Sean King is the it guy. Yep. He, he's he's the it guy. He's protected. Because I, when I heard that first clip, I was like, why is this guy? He's not even being fair. You know, um, to, you know, giving both sides of the story. Because mm-hmm. I read both articles and I was waiting for him to drop some of the, you know, talking points of D-Ray. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't there. It was all, well, Sean, you know, dropped 72 page, uh, um, uh, report you know, everything. Nothing to see here. Seven panel, seven seven person panel has been cleaned up. Nothing to see here. So I'm like, wh- why is that? And then I, and when I looked at, it, I was like, oh, radio. I mean, News One mm-hmm. is a product of Radio One. And then that's why, uh, just a little behind the scenes, I was freaking out when right before we were doing the show because, uh. The podcast monsters didn't want me to have that clip I just played. <laughs> it was trying not to get on the air, but uh, we got it. Yeah, right. I, I we, we 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 shut him down. I mean, because now you see, he he is part of the Sorrow Sisters apparatus. Wow. And now, why why is that? I don't know, but maybe he'll shine light on Tom Joyner's part too. Our nation has twenty three hundred of them operating in every county and in every medium to large city in America. No role, no bigger person has a larger impact on who goes to jail and who doesn't, who gets prosecuted and who doesn't, than the district attorney. No single person plays a bigger role in whether or not corrupt and violent police are not only charged with crimes, but also get convicted than the DA. They are essential. And let me tell you something that's both shocking and disgusting. Over the 2,300 elected DAs in the United States, 95% of those elected DAs are white. And 81% of them are white men. In a nation that's on its way to becoming a country of color, 95% of district attorneys are white, and they are largely conservative. It may very well be the whitest, most conservative, male-dominated profession in America. Then I'm sure that's absolutely right. So let me ask this question then. So 95% are white, right? So that means 5% are non-white. Of that 5%, Kamala Harris was one of those 5%. Mm -hmm. How did she do anything different than, you know, and and she's liberal because he brought up conservative. She's a female, black, liberal, but she locked up people, used people for basically slave labor. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so what's different? What I mean, what do you expect different? As long as he, you know, I, I, I don't understand. What, well, what when, is the goal? When she does it, at least she looks friendly. Was she? Was she doing it? <laughs> I, I think. <laughs> I think that's. I, I. I don't understand what what we expect differently. Well, um, well, let, let, let me get, let me take let me take a stab at this because you know it. it <clears throat> it's always. Oh, Soros this, Soros that. And uh, on the No Agenda show, we've talked about this. Ultimately, very rich, the rich elites want want to control chaos so they can protect their own shit. That's ultimately what they want. They want to be able to control it. Now, in this case, it's more of the same, except you better believe that Kamala Harris is under control. I, I totally agree with you. And as you brought up on the No Agenda show, and maybe listeners haven't heard this talking point, now we're starting to see these more liberal DA saying, well, anything under $1,000 ain't a really a crime. Yeah, you're so right. So, okay. Now, if I'm a poor person living in a poor neighborhood, which crime happens very high, I'm saying a high rate, that thousand dollar affects me differently than if I'm, you know, some um, one of these people that make combined income of three hundred fifty k living in the same gentrified neighborhood. It's like eh, it's just part, you know, it's just reparations or whatever. Oh no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, <laughs> no, it, it's it's completely bullcrap. And you know, California uh, certainly, um, Los Angeles, and I think San Francisco as well have have ordinances where it's like, yeah, anything under I think it's at seven fifty or a thousand, but it's it's like anything it's under that, somewhere. we're not even going to show up. The cops aren't going to show up, not going to do anything, can't deal with it. It's a, a, what a crime of necessity, I think, is the term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is but, is lawlessness, really. So, But now I'm going to put my um, conspiracy tinfoil hat on. If I'm trying to get rid of poor people and prime real estate, and I can't drive them out, you know, with raising prices. What's the, what's the first vehicle to run people out of their neighborhood? Crime, high crime, crime, high crime. You got it. Wow. <laughs> uh, it's so Good. cynical, man. It's so cynical. I know, <laughs> but that that's wow. the only that's the only the only way I could look at it is. We've seen it with the crack era. We've seen it with other uh, influx of crime. You know, they're going to let crime happen. It drives them out of prime real estate areas that are taken over by poor uh, minorities. It's just not a black thing, you know, poor, poor people in general. Uh, and if we can't force them out, you know, we'll, and gentrification has got to get in a black eye right now. So we can't, you know, just gentrify them. Right. So we make them leave. We'll crime them out. Yep. Yeah, we crime them out, and then you know, oh well, wow. look what they did to their own communities. And you know, <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure the redistricting, uh, which is always done under the guise of we, you know, like oh, we got to screw the Republicans, or the Republicans are trying to screw us. But this would be another great way to um, district crime into certain. It's it's uh, an eye opener for sure. Yeah. Well, so I can't I wait until Kamala Harris is our president. It's gonna be great. That'll never happen. <laughs> <laughs> wow, Mo. This was good, man. This was good. I got a couple things to to look into, but definitely I wonder what the next uh, round is gonna be of this uh 
uh, this medium fight because you know they've moved it beyond Twitter. Personally, I think the um, people will tune out pretty soon if they're you know if they're if they want to get in depth, they have to read seventy pages of financial reporting, and you know that's kind of that's not how you change public opinion. That's not how things change typically, unless there's illegality that can be proven. But I haven't seen that yet from this back and forth. Well, the 72-page report works perfectly because it's like, hey, I'll drop the 72-page report. It's all there. Right. Shut up. But, it's in there. But you, yeah. but you bury whatever's there because people are like, they're going to gloss over by page one or two. Yeah. Uh, and just another example of these Medium articles are great for screenshotting and then posting on Twitter. That's how that, that's how that thing works. You post it there, then you highlight something, you, sne- you screenshot it, and then you post it back on Twitter. Yeah, you're right. So You're right. Wow. Uh, well, Mo, thank you very much for uh, for uh, yet again uh, an hour and a half of just fantastic stuff. <laughs> I'm glad you enjoyed it, and I hope all, all the listeners enjoy it as well, uh, and they find value in it. So, yeah, uh, and, and uh, you've you've burst my my bubble here when it comes to uh, Tom Joyner. I'm a radio guy, you know. Tom Joyner is famous for you know doing two stations in one day flying back and forth i mean he's a fantastic radio guy but now that i hear that he's all in that's disappointing so he's he's off the christmas list (laughs) Uh, i say yeah all right mo thank you very much um actually i should back this up for a second i need to remind everybody that you need to go to mofax.com um to find out everything that's happening with the show, but most importantly, to donate. You can hear the amount of time that uh, that's put into this program. What do you value that at? What do you spend your time on otherwise? If you spend an hour and a half somewhere for some entertainment or some education, that's the kind of value I think you should place on the work that's being done here. And uh, I certainly really appreciate it. I'm, I'm, I learn every day. The, the gray is getting darker. <laughs> and we're not funded by anybody. Let's just put that out there. Oh yeah. There's... So you gotta be funded. We gotta be funded by you guys. That's right. This is MoFax with Adam Curry, episode number seven, MoFax.com. Thanks again, Mo. All right, thank you, Adam. As I always say, pay attention to everything and the truth will reveal itself. See you next week, everybody. You really don't understand, do you? Hey, man, don't you realize not of us to make this thing work, man? We've got to get rid of the pimps and the pushes and the prostitutes and then start all over again clean. Hey, look, nobody's pushing me anyway, okay? I mean, not you, not the cops, nobody, man. I mean, you want to get rid of the pushes, I'll help you. But don't send your people after me. Oh, come on, John. Can't you see that we can't get rid of one without getting rid of the other? we got to come down on both of them at the same time in order for this whole thing to work for the people. Look, nobody's closing me out of my business.
Somebody. 